Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? It has been a while. We are back. I am your host, Sky Guasco, and this is episode 168 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Lucas Kaser as we recap Super Bowl 54 and the season that was in 2019. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. Yo, welcome back. It has been a while, about a month to be exact. We are back on the TCK pod. I am Sky. Good to hear from you. Good to hear from everybody else coming back in for the uh, fantasy playoffs. Got those championships, hashtag TCK titles. We've got the NFL playoffs. Just got wrapped up on the Super Bowl. I got my man Lucas Kaser back in the place once again. Lucas, how you doing, man? It's been a while. Yeah, I feel like it's been like... I don't even know. I feel like I got so much football stuff to talk about, and I've just, just been holding it in, watching some very slow playoff games play out. Some Besides last night, there really wasn't much good playoff games, I hate to say it. So I've just been kind of waiting to kick it off for the 2020 season. It's kind of a trip, man. You know, we do the whole season, uh, and any new listeners, welcome in. Um, Anybody else who's been with us the, the rest of the season knows what's up. I mean, we had about four episodes every single week, all season long, and then we took the NFL playoffs off, essentially. Uh, did a little bit of DFS stuff, um, made our picks kind of personally, but we didn't have any podcasts uh, just to take a quick break before the 2020 season kicks off. Um, but it's crazy. You know, we do four episodes a week for, shit, almost 20 weeks, and then we take four weeks off, and it feels like we've been gone for like three months. It's it's pretty wild how uh, how the time's been out. Um, I want to dive into the Super Bowl, of course. We're going to recap the Super Bowl. Uh, big win by the Chiefs, devastating loss for the 49ers. We'll get into all that breakdown real quick. Uh, you made a mention that you were a little bit disappointed with the overall NFL playoffs. I don't want to spend too much time on the playoffs. You know, there are a few weeks ago, a lot of, you know, everyone else has dissected those. I don't want to go into – too many specifics, but uh, really quickly, what were maybe some highlights and lowlights of the playoffs overall, not including the Super Bowl? I mean, I think I think the one thing, if I had to pick one thing to change, it'd be just the top 12 teams overall. I think it kind of goes unnoticed, but I think this year it sort of did with teams like the Texans and the, I mean, not that they're not a top 12 team, but I think if you got rid of like the Vikings and stuff. I just don't think the best overall talent was in there. And I don't know. There just wasn't really exciting matchups up until the Super Bowl, really. I mean, I couldn't – like the Niners had to play the Packers. The Ravens ended up losing. There really just wasn't like the big matchup except for last night. Sure. I do think there were a couple of good games in the wild card round. I actually really – I watched the uh, Bills and Texans game pretty closely, and that was a very exciting game. Yeah. Uh, obviously not, uh, you know – both teams are quite sloppy, but it was exciting. Um, you know, uh, the the Niners doing work all the way up into the Super Bowl, of course. Um, you know, that was fun for me as a Niner fan. Uh, seeing the Chiefs make the run that everyone's been expecting them to do for the last couple of years, even with Alex Smith. Saints getting knocked off again. Uh, the Packers really shouldn't have been there in the first no. place. They get smashed again. Uh, the Ravens, I think everybody – for the most part, uh, except for some Chiefs fans, had them running all the way to the Super Bowl and maybe winning that game. Um, and then, of course, the uh, 
you know, historic run of Tannehill, Henry, and the Titans overall. Um, a lot of storylines in the NFL playoffs, but uh, ultimately Niners and the Chiefs represent their respective conferences um, and uh, the Chiefs come out on top, man. So let's jump right into the uh, Super Bowl recap. And um, I just want to give a big shout out right off the bat to Andy Reid, head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, of course, former head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles and many, many other um, organizations in his career. 207 wins without a Super Bowl coming into Super Bowl 54. Of course, he gets that win in a comeback effort against the 49ers. Chiefs get the win 31-20, and uh, he gets that eagle-sized Chief off of his back. So congrats to the big fella there. He is now 15-14, and 14, uh, much like Eli, just won over 500 um, in his career in the playoffs. Uh, and I had you do a little bit of research before we got on the podcast. So if you're curious, which I was once I heard that Andy Reid finally got his Super Bowl monkey off his back, um, Jason Garrett is next in line with 85 wins without a Super Bowl. Ron Rivera trails him 76 without a Super Bowl. Mike Zimmer, 57, and Bruce Arians, 56 of the active coaches in the NFL without Super Bowl victories. Man, lots to talk about. Obviously, uh, we're big 49er fans here on the podcast. Uh, the Candlestick Kids is named directly after the stadium for the 49ers. If uh, listeners haven't picked that up yet, um, I'm going to put my fandom aside for the podcast. Obviously, I'm pretty bummed, but uh, I'm also just a football fan in general. Uh, why don't we kick it off with you with a little more of an unbiased take? Um, we're going to get into nitty gritties of the game itself. Just watching the game. As a generic fan, how uh, how did you like Super Bowl Fifty Four? I mean, I I personally really liked it. I think it was just it was smooth as to where it should be. I think I think both teams played good defense, played good offense. Like it normally, it I didn't really think I didn't really know how to think going into the game. Like normally, if it's a game like this, I would have like an idea of how I think who has the advantages, who doesn't, like how it's sort of going to play out. And like I really didn't have a side. Uh, up until like obviously I, I wanted the Niners to win as a Broncos fan but I didn't really like see a team having an advantage and I think that really showed up until the last six minutes or really whatever uh, it was but yeah I mean I think overall it was good I think Shanahan stuck to his game plan of building the run uh, in order to set up the shot plays which I mean they were there I mean they should be there it's they're good offense and Chiefs defense is subpar I think but obviously this one or two plays here and there didn't execute, but I think what they wanted to do, it worked. Um, and realistically they held the chiefs to like 24 points. If you don't want to count the garbage time touchdowns. So I think holding the chiefs to 24 points, you can't really ask for much else. And I don't know, Mahomes kind of played crappy too. So they kind of like did what they wanted to do. It just didn't fall into the right place at the right time. So, but yeah, I think overall it was, I mean, much better than last year's Super Bowl, that's for sure. But it was definitely, I think, the best game of the playoffs. Not only did the Niners hold them to 24 points, 31 overall, of course, but that late uh, touchdown. Um, but say, let's call it 24, 30 points. Uh, but they held them to 10 points into the middle of the third quarter. So quite impressive, of course, 10 to 10 um, at halftime. There was a couple of things uh, we're going to talk about here with clock management and, and, and things coming through, but just really quick, my, my general thoughts on the game itself. Um, I thought it was a really clean game. Uh, there weren't many mm -hmm. penalties. 
Um, this was not a game that I thought that anybody could, uh, you know, any team that loses, no matter what, their fan base is going to look to the officials, shitty coaching, time management, whatever. I didn't really think uh, that this was a game at all that people could um, blame officiating. There was a questionable call at the very end. I don't think it would have been a huge difference maker, but potentially an off, you know, a neutral zone infraction by the Kansas City uh, defensive line. And it maybe would have been a free play for the 49ers. Could have been big to get that one back, of course. But as you just mentioned, man, some big plays missed by the 49ers. They had uh, George Kittle on a 42-yard um, catch and run up the sideline. But he had an offensive pass interference, which I totally agree was a pass interference call. I thought that was a good call there, um, unfortunately, for the Niners. And then the second one to your boy, E. Sanders, where Jimmy just overthrew him by five yards. That was a walk-in touchdown um, big time there. And then, of course, uh, they held Tyreek Hill completely in check the entire game except for the one play uh, that broke it open for um, uh, uh, like a 42-yard gain itself. And it was like a third and 15, if I remember correctly, which flipped the field, gave all the momentum to the Chiefs, and it was pretty much them uh, from then on. So you're right, man. Um, the Niners controlled most of the game uh, and dominated the Chiefs for the most part. But, uh, you know, they got him at the end. So, Let's dive into some key things that we spotted. Um, our general thoughts of the game have already been talked about, but let's talk about the the key things spotted here. Um, a big one for me was the game flow, as I just mentioned. Uh, clock management was huge. Um, I, you know, am sitting there like all Niner fans, I'm sure, and there's about a minute and a half left. The Niners have the ball all three timeouts and they don't use any of them um, at the end of that first half there. I thought that was poor clock management. Uh, we know that Kyle Shanahan has uh, that issue from a few years ago with the Falcons as well. But unfortunately, that was devastating for the Niners to not even, you know, attempt to get even a field goal there uh, to get some more momentum. That was a big one. Um, but also the game flow. I thought the Niners were dominating the first three quarters and then let it slip. The, you know, the defense can't win the entire game. And uh, Jimmy – couldn't come through at the end there. But um, you, uh, myself, and uh, our boy Chris from the Commission Fantasy Football Podcast had a text thread going throughout the game and um, was mentioning, you know, Andy Reid's getting out coached the whole first half, which he was. Uh, but the reality is Andy and the Chiefs won the fourth quarter, and uh, that was enough. So for me, it was a lot of game flow, clock management, and the flipped of script. Um, late in the game there, letting the Chiefs pull away. Uh, for you, Lucas, what were a couple of the key things that you spotted during the game that were, uh, you know, game-changing uh, efforts there? Yeah, I think I think kind of a couple of things. They all kind of relate. I think to start, we can kind of circle back to the Jimmy G missed deep ball to Sanders in the offensive PI on Kittle. I think, and I don't, I think last night I came to the realization that I found my comp for Jimmy G. It is what the Vikings wanted Kirk Cousins to be. That came to my head last night. I, th I thought it fit perfect. And I think, like, if you're going to look at this one game of Jimmy G and say, oh, he lost the game or he's not the guy, I think, I don't know. I think last night there was this clarity that that's, like, completely wrong. I think this guy is, what, 27, 28 years old. He has at least 10 more years. I think he's only going to keep building. And I think leading into the next thing is, I think I found out last night that the Niners are going to be dominant for another, for who knows how long. I think with Shanahan there calling the plays, there was not one bad play call. Uh, I mean, however, that deep shot, third and 10 on the final drive, you go short, 
teach you to go for it on fourth down anyways. That's the only thing I think I would change. But I think just the overall way they coach the game, I think is perfect. But then leading into that, they got off the track and started playing zone against Patrick Mahomes, which you cannot do that, especially when you are winning the game and they're trailing from behind. Because as you saw, they got a whatever deep ball to Tyreek that really wasn't even part of the play, but it's Tyreek, so you can't leave him open in space. So I think overall, yeah. I mean, I, I was the one who said that Andy Reid got outcoached, and he did the whole game. He didn't do anything to outsmart the Niners or do anything except for the one, like, touchdown play where they spun or whatever that was. That was so random. But I think overall it was just he got outcoached and – he came up with the win, though, so props to him. But I think the Niners are set for a long future. Really often when you see these Super Bowl games, they're supposed to be the best team in the AFC and the best team in the NFC. And ultimately, we don't always get that. Um, it, it's not always the best teams. And I would say with the exception of maybe the Saints on a really good day or the uh, Ravens on a really good day, I truly believe this year – we got the best team in the NFC and we got the best team in the AFC in the Super Bowl. And if you were to play this game out 10 times, I really think that each team maybe wins five of those apiece. So I think it was very evenly matched. And um, we've seen the matchup of great defense, a great offense many times in the Super Bowl. And more often than not, the great defense perseveres. Um, I think back to the Giants games, of course, versus um, – excuse me, versus uh, the Patriots and, of course, the Broncos versus the Panthers and um, some of these other uh, matchups we had over the years. Um, the Ravens years ago versus the Giants and and now, you know, uh, the Buccaneers versus the Raiders, which is one of my first favorite Super Bowls ever. Uh, but then the Niners and the Chiefs. And, again, I think the Niners, uh, you know, had opportunities to put this game away early when they were up. Um and they were up two scores and they had opportunities to really pile on and they just frankly didn't do that. And you're right, a couple big plays. And uh, once they get in the goal line, I mean, the Chiefs are just the team. They're a Madden team. I mean, if they're inside the red zone, they're going to score touchdowns. And it's the same with the Niners too. You saw, I mean, they had use check out there making huge plays. Like juice, like fifth option on the offense. Like it's just, I don't know. It was just awesome. I think to see, how just like I don't know how efficient a team can be with how limp like think about the Niners they didn't even like really throw the ball at all that game they had Debo running running the ball right like just imagine how it's going to progress when they actually add receivers they just keep continuing that that chemistry they have I think I agree I think it was it was easily the best two teams I don't think the Ravens would have put up what the Chiefs could have done against the Niners at all Let's talk about some game-changing plays. I will let you uh, take this this category away first, but I do want to mention the biggest thing for me, Jimmy Garoppolo was one for nine for 20 yards and two interceptions when pressured and didn't complete a ball over 20 yards in the air the entire game. The only one he actually did complete was that George Kittle 42-yard touchdown or 42-yard catch, which was actually negated by that offensive pass interference. So um, Jimmy Garoppolo... Uh, it just couldn't get it done on the deep balls. Um, of course, Mahomes got away with a couple of those. So for me, game-changing play uh, was really a series of plays where when they had the play action, they had open opportunities, and uh, they just weren't able to get uh, bigger plays there. Uh, what were some game-changing plays for you? Yeah, I think uh, obviously the offensive pass interference, and not that it wasn't, but I think the one thing I have a problem with is the inconsistency of the refs in the NFL in terms of 
the way they review plays or the way they go about reversing plays. Um, for example, the Saints and the Vikings game. I know we all watched that game. And literally the same play to their tight end happened. He pushed off and the refs just refused to even like take the time to go look at it. I think it's just to me, I think it really showed that there needs to be a change in like the the process, I guess you could say, of how they call them. Like especially on like that Damian Williams touchdown play. Like right. by him calling it a touchdown, they couldn't reverse it. And to me, like, why do you even call it a touchdown if you have to go review it anyways? Like I don't I don't know. I just think there needs to be a change in that, but that's a whole nother conversation. And I think really there's one that stood out to me and it was so the Chiefs became it was before they took the lead. So it had been 2017. And Chris Jones tipped that ball to Kittle. I don't remember mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. and it was an easy first down, probably 15 more yards, would have been midfield with like four minutes left. And he just last second stuck his hand up there. And I think that was a huge turning point. Um obviously, because then this kind of disrupted the whole game flow and the Chiefs took it over. So I think that's probably the one big play, um, his deflection there. And, yeah, keeping the pressure on – surprisingly keeping the pressure on Jimmy G with not a very good D-line, which was kind of interesting to see that. A few others as well with the Chiefs uh, risking uh, two different fourth and shorts, and they get them both. And then, of course, the third and 15 uh, that we've mentioned multiple times with the deep bomb to Tyreek Hill was a game-changer. Uh, Absolutely, as well. So, big plays from the Chiefs. Big plays from the Niners, too, uh, early. I mean, I think, you know, it's not really a a game-changing play, per se, but a game-changing decision. Obviously, the clock management at the end of the first half, which I've already talked about. But, dude, Tevin Coleman starting the game, I almost threw my TV on the ground. Uh, They need to – Bro. Killing me, killing we'll talk, me, and then we'll talk about it in future episodes. But they need to figure something out there. So they finally, so they get Coleman. I know Shanahan and Coleman are fucking BFFs. I get it, but killing me, dude. The dude like threw his shoulder out uh, mm-hmm. on the last game, and then he ends up starting the Super Bowl. Fine, mm-hmm. whatever. But they give him the ball multiple times. Doesn't do shit. They wait all the way through the f- second, uh, middle of the second quarter. Put in my man Mostert, and he starts ripping off just. 15-yard chunks every single time. Jeff Wilson had like a 30-yard little, you know, Madden squiggle out of the backfield, and um, it just doesn't make sense, man. That was really frustrating to me because, you know, check was getting it done, but Tevin Coleman I thought was a was a, a slug uh, amongst everybody else, so that was disappointing. Um, speaking of running backs, uh, getting it done, man, Damian Williams for the second year in a row um, – High draft pick, uh, more of a second rounder for most most leagues. I was very vocal preseason about not drafting Damian Williams. It was about his draft capital. I, I knew that Andy Reid wanted a running back by committee. I did not want to uh, count on him with injury history, uh, with the uncertainty that he would even be the starter, uh, with Darwin Thompson coming in, Shady McCoy, whatever. Last year's postseason, Damian Williams crushed. This year's postseason – crushes again shady mccoy was inactive for the super bowl damian williams rips it up again two touchdowns over 130 total yards crushing i don't want to jump too far ahead to fantasy because we're, we got a whole offseason to get into that but how are you feeling right now about damian williams specifically moving forward into next year here's what's gonna happen every single dynasty podcast player whatever you want to say 
is saying the Chiefs are going to draft a running back in the first round. Like, it's, like, written in stone, like it's happening, the 101 pick. After last night, I guess not even – I was never really, like, on board, on board, but after last night, it's literally just going to be deja vu over again. They're not going to draft one. d is going to see early second and probably fall back at the second, I think, as the offseason progresses. Won't be – he will be efficient, but he will not return the value for a second-round pick. And this whole running back talk will happen all over again. That's how I'm kind of standing on it. I just think they're not going to invest running back capital when they went out and they won a Super Bowl with Shady McCoy and Damian Williams. Like, they don't care about having a workhorse, like, shiny, pretty running back when they know what they have with Damian Williams. I'm not going to be drafting him anywhere close to the second round. No. Um, you know, if I go like running back or wide receiver, wide receiver, and he's the best running back available in the third, I might take a stab. But otherwise, I'm just not going to be drafting Damian Williams come next year, no matter what. Um, if you can buy him for cheap, which you won't be able to because he's on the Chiefs and he just won the Super Bowl. But if you can acquire him in current uh, dynasty leagues, um, you know, why not? You might as well. However, um, I do like him when he's active and he's healthy. I made this mention midseason when we were talking about it when he was hurt and we had a uh, Darrell. T- uh, uh, Daryl Williams, uh, uh, Thompson, and uh, Shady McCoy playing for Damian Williams when he was out. And I made a mention that this is what we Andy wants. Well, all those guys are hurt. Darwin Thompson's not able to take it on, and Shady McCoy was inactive, so he was able to kind of get the lion's share. And we've seen with Shady McCoy in Philadelphia, if you're that guy, Darren Sproles even, if you're that guy for Andy Reid, you're definitely uh, you know going to be making bread. So um, – we see the running back by committee when he's uh, when he wasn't healthy. Um, and this is two playoff runs in a row now where he was clearly the only option for Kansas City and did very, very well. However, um, I think that he will lose time to other people as well. And maybe it's just a, uh, you know, maybe they're just going to monitor his touches to get him ready for the playoffs because he is the best option. Either way, I don't think he's going to be, uh, you know, second round collateral for um, fantasy leagues there. So. You're right. Do you want an early prediction? Sure. I th- I think they go out and get a Carlos Hyde tight back to kind of to kind of like compare him with to like a one two punch and then keep in Darwin Thompson. I don't think they they don't have the money to get a run like they're literally going to pay Mahomes forty million dollars a year. Sammy Watkins is still going to be chilling on their cap roll because he might sit out a year or whatever that's all about. So I just yep. don't. They're not going to invest high. They're going to use that thirty second pick on building that defense even more. What about your man Monty Ball from the Broncos a few years ago? Is he playing anymore? Oh gosh, probably. Well, hey, XFL starts this year. I don't. I haven't looked at the rosters one bit, but I'm sure he's on there somewhere. <laughs> awesome. Uh, maybe he's backing up Ron Dane. Who knows? All right, let's move on to uh, how the Niners can address their offensive personnel in 2020. Uh, we know most of the Niners are coming back. We know most of the Chiefs are coming back. Hell, this time next year, we might even be having the same exact conversation, hopefully, with the Niners getting the W. But um, let's talk about this offensive personnel real quick, man. Uh, for me, it's the backfield right away. I mean, this is a five-headed monster if you still count. Well, let's call it a six-headed monster if you count McKinnon, Breida, Coleman, Mostert, Wilson, and Juszczyk. Now, four of those guys are consistent ball carriers. Then there's Wilson, who we saw do work, and he, can, you know, he led the team in touchdowns through week four this year. Jarek McKinnon 
who everybody wants to be super special for the last five years in the NFL, just can't stay healthy. He's toast. Uh, we know that Shanahan loves Coleman. I love Brita, but he can't stay healthy. My man Mostert has been seven teams before he hit the 49ers. And Jeff Wilson, of course, still just looking for his job. And Juszczyk is a fullback. Obviously, he's more of a Burkhead kind of utility guy, but nonetheless, a fullback. For me, the Niners need to clean out this backfield. I think Coleman, Brita, and McKinnon are gone. Mostert and William uh, Wilson take over this backfield, and they grab a free agent or a rookie. Um, and they need to get uh, they need to get Jimmy confident in throwing the ball uh, in big opportunities. He did make some big throws this year, um, but I think he was bailed out by his receivers more often than not, and he just straight up looked scared with the game on the line in the fourth quarter. That's worrisome for me. Defense is fine. I think the offensive backfield, uh, maybe a, a big-time receiver, and uh, Jimmy's head work, I think they need to figure out here for the 49ers. Yeah, I think the one thing, if, I, if they had to do one thing and they kept the backfield, I think the one thing they need to do is just get a receiver. Just go all in on one of the A.J. Greens, Samari Coopers, Odell, like I don't, maybe even like Brandon Cooks if he gets confirmed healthy. I think not that that's like a huge need for them. I don't think because I think they obviously showed last night they can do with what they have. But I think having that for Jimmy G is only going to just increase the progression that he can make as a quarterback. Um, in terms of the backfield, I I don't know. Like I – because I don't know the value of these players after the combine, like if they're going to be early picks, if they're going to be later picks. I the Niners by no means are going to try and pay up for one of the rookie running backs. There's like, that's just not no. their type of thing. And I don't know, Breida's a restricted free agent, so they could just, no one's going to give Breida a big contract. They could just get him back really cheap. So it'll be interesting to monitor kind of what they do. Um, and with probably what we'll do in the off season, we'll kind of just look at the values of all these guys. We'll kind of see probably more of a feeling out process, but I think, I think receiver for sure is what they need to attack if they need to attack one thing. I would love to see them get a big-time receiver, of course. I totally agree with you. I think it'd be cool if they kept Mostert and Wilson young uh, utility backs. They have uh, use check, of course. They get rid of McKinnon, Brita, and Coleman, um, save some money there, kind of double back on that, and sign Frank Gore for like a million dollars and have them coach up these guys, take you know five carries a game, um, and just help out a little bit uh, and get that full ring. Um, that's my <laughs> that's my wish is that they they get Frankie G back in the building before he goes to the Hall of Fame and he can retire as a Niner, hopefully with the Super Bowl next year. Um, and leading into that, man, let's uh, let's look way ahead. Let's look into next year and uh, let's wrap up this episode. Uh, just kind of a Super Bowl recap um, and a preview for next year. Uh, let's jump right into it, man. Who wins Super Bowl Fifty Five? Oh, gosh. Um, well, we both made predictions. I put Baltimore. Uh, I just think they're going to add they're, – they're by far the team that – who can I think they can improve the most, honestly, just by adding a receiver or two. Um, they can – Lamar Jackson in, what, his third year. Like, you're only going to see tremendous improvements from him. I think them and the Chiefs stay on top uh, with the Broncos in third. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but I put – New Orleans, if Breeze stays, but I'm going to pivot if he doesn't because we don't know if he's going to retire or not to the 49ers. So you have Super Bowl odds, correct? I do, yep. 
Why don't you pull those up really quick as I go through my picks as well, and we can run those off as we get out of here. Okay. I'm going to stick with KC right now. Um, I usually don't go back-to-back because we see a lot of times uh, teams, you know, it's very difficult to, to uh, you know, repeat, obviously. Um, and we see a lot of that Super Bowl hangover stuff. I'm more confident that the, that the Chiefs will return than the Niners will return. Of course, I'm a Niner guy, and I'm, I got all the faith in the world. However, we see a lot – I mean, take the Rams – Right. The Rams were, mm-hmm. I mean, they were the shit two years ago. And, or we can even say last year, I guess. Uh, they meet up with the, uh, the Patriots. Patriots completely dissected their, their game and they shut them down completely. And the Rams have not been the same since. Now that's Todd Gurley injury and, and Cup injured and blah, blah, blah. Nonetheless, the Rams were not the Rams a year later. I don't think the Niners are going to be like that because the Niners are not a finesse team that you can just kind of like, figure out i think they're just a ground and pound beat your ass team so i think they they stick to their guns a little easier but i'm more confident that the chiefs return to form than the niners do if the niners have any sort of super bowl hangover so i'm going to go with kc right now probably you could guess chiefs are six to one which is those are all going to be insanely good values because there has been no free agency no offseason yet and it's just kind of way early lines the chiefs are six to one Ravens seven to one Niners eight to one and Saints 11 to one of the top four and honestly I could see I could easily see all four of those teams taking it easy like they, they I think those if I had to pick four favorites those would be it for sure and then it kind of gets interesting you can kind of pick your poison of long not really long shots but just kind of bounce back teams uh the Patriots start next at 14 to one and they kind of that middle tier of teams kind of all the way down to the Rams and the Vikings is 25 to one so it's – I mean, I don't really know how many people are placing bets right now, but I think if I would have to choose, I would choose Saints 11-1 to 1 for sure. What are the Browns' odds? Well, now that you ask, my favorite team, 25-1. Uh, to 1. And here we could probably look back. This We'll talk about it. I'm going to pull up the 2019 – or sorry, 2020 Super Bowl odds here when everybody was all for the Browns. I'd like to know about the Broncos as well. Well, see, they are at 75-1. to 1. And the only that's thing for I, that's for 2021. Yes. The only thing I have to say about that is they are not taking into account the stacked coaching staff we have put together, which we'll talk about probably later on. And uh, this, this won't pull up anything, but they have not taken into account. Like, like I said, once the Broncos draft a receiver and they get this offense flowing under uh, Shermer, those are only going to boost up because everybody knows the offseason hype when nothing's going on, but you're checking sleeper and you got the – Henry Ruggs is doing really good at practice or the Drew Locke's really excited for Shermer's new offense. And then everyone goes and tries to trade for those players or everyone's betting. It'll change, but I'm trying to pull up the, I can't pull them up. The Browns were like fourth best. I remember last year for 2020. So that's all I got to say about that. (laughs) Well, we'll get in, we'll get into uh, to, to badgering with the Super Bowl. Odds again later on. Of course, we're going to make all of our official predictions and official set rankings uh, when we come into August draft season. Um, we're going to put together a draft guide for y'all this uh, this year, um, and we're going to get and get some uh, some new things coming around the bend here for twenty. 20- 20. I can't believe 2019 is a wrap already, man. It, it, it's such a trip that we have all this preseason. We go through the season, as I mentioned earlier, four episodes a week, and all the all of a sudden you turn around and the season's over. So, um, you know, congratulations to the Chiefs. Uh, you know, shouts out um, – 
to uh, Chief Kingdom and, and uh, you know, in the spirit of good sportsmanship, uh, congratulations and happy Super Bowl to all of you uh, out there representing the Chiefs. Uh, Lucas, I know that uh, being a Broncos fan, you are not about the Chiefs. Um, so I, I, I can understand that. Uh, and to fellow 49er fans, um, you know, we had a, we had about 10 wins more than we were supposed to this year, had a hell of a season. Of course, you never want to lose, especially the Super Bowl. But man, I am I was telling my I was telling my lady uh, the other night that I, I feel like I've grown as a person because the last handful of years when the Niners lose or they lost to the Ravens a few years ago or the Giants lose, or the Warriors lose, you know, I'm a Bay Area guy. Uh, I'm just fucking devastated. Like it ruins my week and, and, and it's just shitty. And last night I had this like I was bummed out for about an hour. And then it was just this overwhelming gratitude of how good the Niners actually were this year, how many leaps they, they took, how promising this young uh, team looks for the future and the young coaching staff and, and everything else. So I'm pumped as a Niners fan, disappointed, of course, uh, after the Super Bowl, but I'm really fired up for the next handful of years. And Lucas, I think you're right. I think uh, we are going to be a force to be reckoned with, hopefully for the next five plus years at least. So Congratulations to the Chiefs, Super Bowl 54 victors, and uh, the Niners hopefully will be back soon as well. And before we get out of here, man, I want to give a big shout out to one of your, uh, you know, your Bronco legends and one of my favorite players growing up, Steve Atwater, uh, oh, making yeah. the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. So um, shouts out to the, uh, the football class, uh, football Hall of Fame class um, of 2020, and uh, we'll be at you next episode. Uh, we're going to run out um, for the most part what we have planned for you for the offseason for 2020 and get into more of our game plan for that. So, uh, Lucas, any final thoughts before we get out of here and wrap up 2019? No, I'm just excited to get ready to go, get back on the schedule for 2020. Always a pleasure, man. We'll catch you guys next time. That'll do it for this episode. Be sure to shoot us a DM on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod. You can also find us on Twitter at TCK underscore pod and Facebook at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast page. Also check out our website, tckpod.com. If you've gained any value from this episode, please subscribe and leave a rate and review on the podcast and give us a like and a follow on the social medias. Make the most of the rest of your day and we'll catch you next time on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. For Lucas Kaser, I'm Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.